Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. At 15, you know, you kind of become this little girl that becomes a woman and your body's changing and all these things are happening and you're kind of like, whoa, what's going on? She's Caroline Marks. And at 19, she's an advocate for body positivity and eyeing the first ever Olympic surfing gold medal when a sport makes its Olympic debut in Tokyo. My whole life is on camera. As a surfer, like someone can look at every inch of your body. My new favorite Olympian. New episode every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. The number one reason women don't invest is fear. Fear of getting started, fear of doing it incorrectly, fear of losing all their money. And so they wait longer to invest. So they take less money because of the wage gap. It is earning less money because it's not invested. And then women on average live seven years longer than men do. So we're expected to live longer on less money that is growing at a slower rate. And that's not being discussed, not even nearly as widely as the wage gap. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, beautiful people. I hope you're having a wonderful start to your morning. I hope you came with energy and with fire today because the passion... And the overall desire in this episode to help women succeed is overflowing. I am literally obsessed with today's guest. Not only did we record this fire episode that I cannot wait for you to hear, but we continued to sit on Zoom for an additional hour after recording because that's how much we clicked and just became instant freaking friends. I'm honestly so glad that half of our conversation was recorded so that you guys can hear it all because Tori is amazing. Now, for those of you guys who don't know today's guest, her name is Tori Dunlap, aka the financial feminist. Tori is all about helping women understand money, earn money, save money, invest money, spend money, and overall get rich by fighting the patriarchy. Tori founded her company, Her First 100K, to fight financial inequality and provide women with tools necessary to take control of their finances. She's been featured in Good Morning America, Forbes, Business Insider, and in just four weeks, her podcast, Financial Feminist, has become the most listened to business podcast on Spotify. And shameless plug, I have listened to every single episode. Definitely check that out if you enjoy Tori today. Tori is about to give you the financial tea. So honestly, get a notepad ready or just get your attention and your ears perked because the financial feminist truth is about to be served. Right before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to Rebecca who left a five-star review that says, I'm obsessed. This podcast makes me feel so empowered from what I've been through over the past years and I relate to everything on such a deep level. I look up to Victoria in so many ways and cannot get enough of this podcast and the guests. Rebecca, thank you so much, girl. And I chose your review because you used a special word, empowered. And I love that word. Nothing wrong with that word. Well, maybe. You'll find out. Today's guest is going to drop some bombs of knowledge on the word empowered. And I'd be curious to know what you guys think. So be on a lookout for that. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to Real Pod so you get that automatic download every single Wednesday. And if you have not 
reviewed or rated the show like Rebecca, head over to iTunes, leave me a rating, leave a review. It means so much to me. It helps the show tremendously. And I love reading your feedback. You just might be the shout out on next week's episode. All right. Without further ado, help me welcome the financial feminist, Tori Dunlap. First of all, I wanted to start here and I feel like this is horrible, but this is real pod. So I'll be super transparent with you when it comes to money and finances, Tori girl, I don't know. Shit. (laughs) You are not the first person to say that and you won't be the last to me. So you're good. I know the bare minimum, like I have my accounts, I pay my bills, but in terms of retirement and investing and everything else I should be doing, I feel like I have no idea. And actually for a long time, I was like, whatever, I'm not good at math. I don't want to figure it out. I totally bought into that brainwash. And then I started consuming your content, listening to your podcast specifically. And I think that (laughs) night I sat down with the Google Sheets and started writing down everything I bought that month. Okay. So you said a couple interesting things there. One, yes, we are not taught a personal finance in school, regardless of your gender identity. But two, the I am bad at math narrative, only women tell me that. And really, money money is kind of mathematical, but not really. I majored in theater. I am a theater major and a communication major. I didn't major in math. I didn't major in finance. I'm not quote unquote good at math. They're separate issues, but these are the kind of lies we're told as women, right, by the patriarchy. And I talk about this in the first episode of my podcast where, yeah, we're told you're not good with money. Money isn't for you. Don't talk about money because it's the patriarchy's way of staying in power. So the more they tell you not talking about money is taboo, wanting money is evil or bad, of course, the more they stay in power, right? They profit off of our silence. They profit off of our inaction. So I hear those narratives all of the time. It is true that there's like not a ton of math involved. Like you can use Excel formulas to calculate anything you need to calculate. I just think in general, I mean, another thing too, is I've been once again for the third time now, I'm like, when I've been consuming your content, I've been reflecting like my relationship with money and like how I grew up around money and no hate to my mom, who's the best and my Yaya, her mom, who's awesome, but very traditional men made the money. The women just kept the house and like had the fully funded credit card and like didn't ask questions. And it's already weird that I'm so career driven and self-employed. Like that's already like really off brand for the the Garrick women. (laughs) But I think that's why I've had this just inherent like, oh, I don't need to know. Yeah. That also tracks because again, society has told us that money is not for us. And that assuming you're in a heteronormative relationship, the man still handles the money, right? It's 2021. And still statistically, if you are a man or if you are a woman marrying a man, you will be handling the day-to-day finances, most likely the budgeting, the coupon clipping, the grocery shopping, right? And the man is handling the wealth building. He's handling the investing. He's handling the salary negotiations and the real estate investments and Yeah, it's holding all of us back. I don't think we have any sort of equality for marginalized groups until we have financial equality. Fortunately, though, I know this was different for you, right? You grew up very aware of that. Can you kind of share a bit of your background and upbringing with money? Sure. So I was lucky enough to have a financial education for my parents. So I was lucky enough to have parents who taught me, don't overspend on credit cards, save your money, save up for things that you want. My dad taught me how to invest, how to negotiate. And I thought that was the norm. I thought, okay, everybody knows not to overspend on credit cards and how to negotiate. And of course, I realized very quickly that that wasn't the case. And especially in college, post-college, I was the friend all of my female friends were coming to for advice and guidance about it. And so I graduated college in May of 2016. Trump got elected in November. I was coming into adulthood, coming into womanhood in a very different America than I think we all expected to be in. And as I was having these conversations and as I was realizing the privilege that I had, I realized I had a responsibility. And again, that we're at a severe disadvantage when it comes to this financial guidance and advice. And so I started a blog that later became her first hundred K in late 2016. And really my work was 
and is all about seeing personal finance and seeing that education as your best form of protest. Because when we have money, we have options, right? You can leave a toxic situation you don't want to be in anymore because you have an emergency fund. You can quit your job to start your own business. You can donate to causes you believe in. You can have kids or not have kids. You can choose to not get married if you don't want to because it's not a financial decision. You are financially independent. So again, once I started having these conversations with women, I realized that I had this responsibility and her first 100K just kind of took off. So 2020 was my first year of full-time entrepreneurship. Hence my, her, my name, her first 100K. I was like, okay, let's see if we can do 100K in a year. Like that was my revenue goal. Like, let's see the stretch crazy revenue goal if we can make it happen. And we hit half a million in 2020 and we just hit seven figures for 2021. So Ooh, that's so cool. It's really exciting. And it's so cool that I get paid to do what I love. And we get messages. I mean, every 15 minutes from a woman who's like, was able to leave my abusive partner because I have enough money now, or I negotiated $20,000 more at my job. And this is why I do what I do. This is what I believe I was put on this earth to do. And it's just my favorite. It's so cool to be able to get paid doing what I love and, and being able to see the impact that my work has on women's lives. So incredible. And I'm so grateful that you've chosen to do that. And one part of your message that I think is really eye-opening is this idea that, yeah, money wasn't designed for us. Like we were left out of the conversation and there's like a conspiracy there, right? That's anti-feminist, anti-equality. Can you share just a few concrete examples of why that is the case? Because this could be the first time someone's even hearing that, there is an inequality issue with money in general. Obviously, people always hear about the pay gap. They hear about men's sports, women's sports. But if we really get down to just the nitty gritty of finances, there's inequality there. Oh, I mean, there's a million examples. Probably one of the most obvious ones is when we think about New York and we think about Wall Street. If you've ever been to New York, if you've ever been to the financial district, you see that in front of the stock market, in front of the NASDAQ stock exchange, there is a fucking bulb. It is like this huge bronze bowl sculpture that is the most masculine thing. And then if you've been to New York, you know this, you go up and you touch its testicles for financial prosperity. Wait, it's a literal ball? Like not like a, a not a globe, bowl. but a te- it's one testicle? If you Google it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's literally Google like Wall Street bowl sculpture. Okay. It is this massive, massive bowl. So when you look at that, you're like, of course money wasn't made for women. Like, of course not. She's Googling it right now. Let me see. I am. I'm, I'm looking it up. Wait, I'm shook to my core. There's like hundreds of pe- pictures of, of people, lots of women holding these balls. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's pretty clear. So yeah, stock market's not made for us. And then when you consider, I believe it's at least over 90% of employees on Wall Street, stock market traders are men or male identifying people. And that's one example We talked about, you mentioned briefly the wage gap, which we hear about a lot, 78 cents to a man's dollar, even worse if you're a woman of color, but we're not talking about the investing gap, which is where women will either wait to invest compared to men or won't invest at all. And the truth is that you can't retire. You can't afford to retire if you don't invest. But the number one reason women don't invest is fear, fear of getting started, fear of doing it incorrectly, fear of losing all their money. And so they wait longer to invest. So they take less money because of the wage gap. It is earning less money because it's not invested. And then women on average live seven years longer than men do. So we're expected to live longer on less money that is growing at a slower rate. And that's not being discussed, not even nearly as widely as the wage gap, right? And these are the things that we have to talk about. We have to talk about how money affects us differently. If you're a woman, if you're a person of color, if you're a member of the LGBTQ community, if you are disabled, you have to manage money differently. Because there are certain expenses in your life, certain challenges that you're going to have to face, right, that a old straight white guy isn't. And unfortunately, a lot of the financial advice that has been popular up to this point is from straight white men who (laughs) are shaming, who are judgmental, who don't acknowledge systemic oppression, and who also tell you that the reason you're not rich is because you buy too many lattes, which is the most gendered fucking bullshit. Too many lattes. It's not like, a, I don't know, what's masculine, like a tool belt or bacon. I'm thinking of like Ron Swanson. But like, <laughs> it's not that, right? It's, quote, too many lattes, right? It's seemingly frothy and feminine and frivolous, right? Instead of like, no, the reason you're not rich is because you're paid less. 
The reason you're not rich is because society was not built for you. The reason you're not rich is because there is no paid family leave in this country, right? That is not being discussed. And so, yeah, I could list a million examples. We could spend three hours just listing examples of how, <laughs> how society has continually perpetuated this narrative that money is not for women. And then the crazy thing, I'm on a soapbox now, but the crazy go, thing about go, this too go. is that when women don't have money, it's shaming or judgmental, right? Like, oh, you spend too much money on frivolous things. Why can't you, why can't you just earn money? Why can't you just work harder? And then when women do have money, we feel bad. We feel bad about it. We're like, oh God, I shouldn't be making this much. Am I worth this amount of money? Wait, I need to double click on that because I am the current breadwinner of my relationship. And my boyfriend, Max, is the best. He's so supportive of me. He's the sweetest. You guys have a really, a really cute relationship. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I forget people on social media see him, but... I feel like the amount of times I've had people say, oh, does Max care? Is Max okay? Because that, because I make more. Is this little male ego, is he going to be okay? I know. And of course, unfortunately, I have a really supportive man by my side who doesn't care at all. And like, he wouldn't even care that I said this on the show. But just the fact that people, even women still have to be like, oh, like, do you pay for dinners? Like, you know. Right. (laughs) If you look at my TikTok comments, like that's the perfect example of either people, I mean, and and I am all for being transparent. I am very transparent about how much money we make, about how much money we earn and all of those things. But I get comments that men don't, which is like, how much are you donating? Like, how much are you giving back to people? Which I'm all for giving back. I donate a lot of my money and my time. But like the expectation we have for how a woman manages her money, this is actually, I wanted to talk to you about this because I would love your, your thoughts. I haven't really talked about this publicly. I have this theory that I think society is only okay with a woman making money if it is at a severe, like emotional or physical cost to her. And we're not okay really with women making money anywhere else. We say we are, but then this like internalized misogyny creeps in, right? When we're like, I don't, I don't know. Like she seems braggy about her business and she seems braggy about how much money she makes. And Elon Musk can fucking sneeze and everybody's like, oh my God, right? They worship him. And then when we see women, you know, seemingly sacrificing their emotional or physical well-being or being vulnerable enough to do sex work, then it's like, oh my God, yay. Because we, I think we think women have to sacrifice so much and then they're deserving of Yeah. And I also think there's like an expectation that plays a role of like people don't expect women to make that much money. So it's like when you're running this business, they're like, wait, 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 how, what is she telling the truth? Like, you know, I was looking at one of your videos and I saw something like, does she know X, Y, Z? And you were like, yes, I know. Because, you know, I think there's this expectation that women shouldn't be making as much money or they're not, or if they are, it's like, Oh, like how cool. What was the connection there? Like there's like a follow-up. You can't just be yes, period. And I even noticed, I definitely feel insecurity around mm. how much money I make or like what money I make in comparison to my peers or, or whatnot. And right. just because there is something to be said about being a woman who's comfortable financially, that's like not common, sadly. No, and it's like weirdly threatening. Like society sees it as threatening or. Yeah, it's like, it's evil. I'm just thinking of, are you a, are you a Swifty? <laughs> That's really funny you ask. I have a very interesting relationship with Taylor Swift. Speaking of internalized misogyny, for many, many years, I was very anti-Taylor Swift. I was like, I don't think she's that talented. Why can't she write about, like, why does she write about every single boyfriend she's ever had? That was my thing for a really long time. And it's actually, it's so funny you bring that up. I know you're a huge fan of her. My internalized misogyny has kept me from really appreciating who she is as a person because I like would consume her music, but be like, oh my God, it's a guilty pleasure. And only recently, actually in the last probably couple of months, have I started to go, Tori, how much of that is like either jealousy, like weird jealousy that this person is famous and not you, which is ridiculous, or just like internalized misogyny. And actually a couple of days ago, I was listening to Olivia Rodrigo and I was like, how great is this? that this boy fucking broke her heart and then she takes all this music and just is like, boom, I'm going to make a ton of money yeah. off of you. And then I realized, I was like, Tori, that is exactly what Taylor Swift has done for like right. 15 years. And you gave her internally so much shit about it. And and part of it 
it, yes, it is the internalized misogyny, but like it's the media's portrayal of women so frequently. Sure. Whenever someone says, "Ah, oh, she just bugs me," like so and so actress just bugs me. I don't know why she just bugs me. I don't like her. It's like why is it because every article she's in, they're using words like slams, or is the media making her seem like she's in every piece of drama when she's really not? Right. But I'm so glad you've come around with Taylor Swift because what's coming to mind is one of my favorite lyrics from The Man, and it says. Mm-hmm. If I was counting my dollars, I'd be a bitch, not a baller. Right. And I'm like, facts. <laughs> yeah, you can go and just see any of this on any video I post is if I talk about my business, if I talk about how much money it's made, I have plenty of men who are like, yeah, how much did your rich daddy give you? Which I can't even, I, I try to keep my parents' privacy, but like my dad grew up very, very poor. And like, those are the kind of comments where they have no idea about my life. And I don't get hurt by it because I know that they're just trying to troll, but it's like, you have no idea like what my family has gone through. Yes. I have a ton of privilege. I'm the first to acknowledge that, but like, you know, nothing about me. And you know, what's wild as well is that women get the like, oh, daddy's money, daddy's credit card. Do you know how many guys I know from USC that aren't working, are flying everywhere, are my buying best shots. Went to USC. We've talked about it so much. Literally, I could name the list goes on and on of dudes that I met at SC that don't work, mm-hmm. like and 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 just buy everyone everything, fly yachts, and it's their dad's money, but no one's questioning it. Like no. getting their girlfriends these huge rings. I'm like, did you buy that? I'm like, I would rather have a piece of dirt that my boyfriend bought than like something his dad buys for me. That's not even Max's situation, but like that's another double standard is like the daddy's money thing is played up so much for women. And we just ignore like when a guy comes from wealth. Oh, like that's great. Like he's going to be prestigious. He's going to have connections. He's going to have a great career. Again, it's sacrifice. You've either slept your way to the top, right? Or you've made money on an MLM or OnlyFans, right? Or, oh, it's just daddy's money. You must've gotten it from a man because there's no way you could have made that amount of money on your own. And no way you're deserving of that amount of money either. And then the other, the other thing I think is the more damaging side of it is I get the internalized misogyny from women. And I mentioned this earlier, but like, I get so many comments of like, again, the like, she bugs me, right? She irks me. You're like, why are you talking about your business all the time? It seems really braggy. And again, I bring up like Elon Musk or somebody who can, yeah, he's like, you know, tweeted like I pooped today and everybody's like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Right. And I think it's just, yeah, it's an interesting double standard about how we view money as individuals because a lot of our psychological bullshit has been reaffirmed by the way we've grown up in society and then how we view other people and their relationships with money. There is so much judgment to ourselves, so much judgment to others. That's part of my work. It's like, how do we unpack that? And how do we, how do we have a more positive relationship with this thing that does affect our lives? It inherently is not evil. If you are doing evil things with the money, yes, you are evil, right? You are, you are making evil choices. It's not the money inherently that's evil. Money means options. It means freedom. It means choices. It's not evil. I'm like bursting at the freaking seams right now because I'm getting like fury for the way society has just tried to step on women. Like, because now I'm thinking it's like, well, oh gosh, I have so many things to say right now. First of all, (laughs) looking for your page for the first time, that video of you sitting there counting dollars. When I first saw that, it was off for me like not not really I love the video and I love everything no, about you but but I caught I caught a side of myself being like oh my gosh she's just counting her money on a camera like and then I was like wait what the f like this is badass and it, it's similar to how think of every aspect of society where like we cannot be confident in ourselves, whether it's money, whether it's Simone Biles, the greatest gymnast to ever live, putting a goat in sequins on her jersey. People are like, that's so cocky. I'm like, good for you. And then if we shift to body image and appearance, it's this aspect of like, no woman is really comfortably allowed to say, I think I'm really beautiful. Because everyone says, oh my God, that's so conceited. Like you think you're pretty? Like, and it goes back to Mean Girls. So you think you're really pretty. pretty. It's like, you shouldn't think that of yourself. I mean, everything has been designed everywhere we turn so that we can't feel confident in whatever it is. Or we're bitchy and we're conceited and we're obnoxious. We're going to end up talking for hours about this. I (laughs) 
But on the flip side, then when we do have money, right? Or for me, I am a curvy woman. I am not the stereotypical, you know, really skinny, you know, quote unquote attractive woman. But when I post in my body, people are like, oh my God, that's so brave. And I just have to be like, I understand you're coming from a good good place. But one that makes me feel worse about myself of like, God, am I, should I not be showing up? Is it really that like controversial? So then it's like weirdly a statement, right? I want to have money and have it be normal. I want to have a bunch of money and have a bunch of other women have money. And that is just completely normal. It's not a statement. It's not revolutionary. It's just yeah, you want to normal. post a picture of yourself in a bikini and just that's, that's not a factor. I get it. Right. Yeah. And also that, that's what I mean. It's like, so on the flip side, right. When we do have, you know, the society, like all the audacity, right. To like be comfortable in our own bodies, to be comfortable with how much money we make, to be comfortable in our careers and our success and our confidence. Then we also, it's like, oh my God, she's so brave. Or, oh my God, like, how did she get that confident? It's like, I know you mean well, but that's such a backhanded compliment because again, society tells you you shouldn't. So you're like a rebel for doing it. Quick interruption to tell you something so freaking exciting. I can't even stand it. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time on the RealPod Instagram or at DearMedia.com, you can shop the first ever Real Pod merch. Woo! Yay! I'm so excited, you guys. I have been working on this merch for such a long time with Dear Media. I feel like it totally represents the show and everything Real Pod stands for. And I have a great feeling you're going to love it. There are three items that you can shop tomorrow. Let's start with the Real Pod graphic tee. It's oversized, it's hot pink, it's graphic. You love to see it. It's perfect for summer. Not to mention the Keep It Real shorts. They are adorable, so freaking soft. They're pink. Also, you have to pull them off me. That's how much I live in these shorts. And also there's a real pod hat. The hat goes with everything. The hat is your way to rep the show whenever, wherever. And there's a little hashtag, no filter moment on the back, which we love. If you want to see what all the items look like, go now to the RealPod Instagram account at RealPod, and you can see me wearing all this merch so that you can get excited and start planning what you want to shop tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time on the Dear Media website, specifically shop.dearmedia.com slash RealPod. That's shop.dearmedia.com slash RealPod to shop the official limited edition RealPod merch that drops tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Love you guys so much. Hope you're just as excited as me. And I can't wait to see you rocking your personal OG RealPod merch. Okay, let's get back to the show because Tori is spitting facts. I was mind blown because today I was listening to your most recent episode where you guys were talking about the word empowerment. Yes, and hate it. It's coming to mind right now. Do you want to kind of share with the listeners right now? Yeah. So I don't use the word empower. And actually earlier when we were recording and the word empower came up and you might have noticed because I couldn't think of a better word in the moment because I really, I don't use it. The definition of the word empower is to give power. We as women, any group, you don't need to be empowered. You don't need to be given power. You already have power. You just might need the resources to learn how to use it or to learn how to harness it. So when we say empower women, or empower, you know, black voices or empower, you know, insert group here. For me, what that's really saying is, oh, I am giving you power, right? I am bequeathing you this power. You know, again, it's well-intentioned. It's well-intentioned, but in practice, I think it's really important about the words we use because I don't need you to give me power. I don't need to give anybody power. I don't need anybody to give me power. I already have power. I just need to know how to use it. So empowering women, yes, good in theory, right? I think that there's better words to use or there's better phrases to use. It's powerful to think about it that way for sure, because it is true. You know, even I think even when people do use the word empowered, they're trying to help someone realize the power within them. And so it's like, can we just focus the, the conversation and the verbiage on like, you have power. Let's harness that. Right. Um, rewinding like 20 minutes to something you said <laughs> that I'm still thinking of. You mentioned this idea of like, they feel stupid or they don't know what questions to ask. Yeah, That hits so deep for me. I just feel stupid. 
I mm. feel like I need a for dummies budgeting thing, a for dummies investing thing. And I have no problem saying I don't know something, but for some reason, when it comes to money, I just, it's embarrassing mm-hmm. that I'm 24 and I run my own business and I still don't really get it. That is the narrative I hear from women every day. And I appreciate your vulnerability. We had Tiffany Alicia, who's another financial educator on, on the Financial Feminist Podcast. And she gave this great metaphor where she's like, if you broke a bone, you wouldn't be like, why do I not know how to set my own bone? Like, why can't I set my own bone? And it's the same thing with money. We were never taught this, right? But weirdly, we expect to like come out of the womb knowing how to money. We don't know how to speak fluent Italian or play the cello, but we weirdly just expect, oh yes, we should know how to do this. When if no one's ever taught this, school didn't teach us this, if you didn't have parents who taught you, right? Like it's it's not your responsibility to know how to money. Yeah. I'm kind of coming up with a really interesting theory. I think there's an aspect to this that feels like failure for women. Because no, it totally is. Yes, but because women have been like, if you find a man who has all the money, you don't have to worry about these things. So if you're worrying about these things, there's like that internalized misogynistic voice that's like, ooh, because you couldn't find a man's with money and like mm-hmm. you failed right? Because successful women who are of status and who whatever, they've found men who handle that for them. It's weirdly been posed as like a luxury if someone does it for you so that we as women feel like if we're doing that work, we're like scraping dirt off the floor when really we're not. We we should be doing that stuff. Right. Or again, when we've thought, oh, I should learn how to invest or I should learn how to save. You go to these platforms, you go to these places that tell you, oh yeah, we can teach you, but they already assume you know what a stock is. They already assume that you know what the S&P 500 is. They already assume that you have all of this base knowledge, right? And then they actively tell you that these spaces aren't for you. I had so many followers, so many members of our community who like were trying to get on these Reddit forums to learn more about the stock market. And literally men on these forums told them, oh, you're a woman, this isn't for you. Like they wouldn't let them join. And so I think you're totally right about this. Yeah, this internalized misogyny or just this, this very, yeah, 1950s notion of like, yeah, you marry, marry man and man handles it. And it's like weirdly like, oh, that's either not my job or it's like a weight off my, my plate. Because we also have a million and two things we have to do emotional labor for, right? And so right. it's like, maybe that's like the one thing, oh, cool, I don't have to handle that or I don't have to stress about it. When in actuality, we see this have so, you know, so many negative consequences, right? Women get into relationships that they can't leave because they don't have their own money. Or yeah, they get into jobs they can't leave because they don't have an emergency fund or don't have savings to rely on. Yeah, money affects every part of our lives. And I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. One of uh, my marketing assistants, she actually just got married. And it's so funny because I think it's changing a little bit, but you know how the wedding registry movement, like a bunch of people, there's, I think an episode of The Office about it where Pam is like, can I just ask for cash? Like, can we just ask for money? I was part of our wedding registry, right? And so when you're like listing a registry, it's still very like traditional. It's like, okay, I'll put a blender on there. I'll put a vase, I'll put a whatever. And asking for money in a larger communities is still considered tacky, but you already have a blender. Because, you know, if you're getting married, chances are we're getting married later and later, statistically, right? So a woman's lived on her own. She has her own blender. He has his own blender, right? Marriage before was like, oh, you're getting married right out of college. Yeah, you don't have a blender. You don't have, you know, a set of knives. And weirdly now, if you're getting married later, you already have, actually, you have two sets of knives, right? So it's just interesting of these things, again, of like, yeah, that perpetually confirm societal norms confirm how relationships should exist, how we should think about money within partnerships on our own. Yeah. You can trace. It's like, it's like, um, what is it? Beautiful mind when you're trying to, when everything's Mm -hmm. like tacked together, you know, you're trying to figure out all this stuff, solve a, solve a crime. Right. It's like that, you know? 
I know you've created so many resources that I, people can go to, and I highly encourage everyone listening to go check out all your platforms, which I'll link in the show notes. But what would you say right now are like top three things that every female identifying person should be doing today with their money? First thing, you need an emergency fund. Before you pay off any debt, before you start saving for any other goal, you need an emergency fund first. It should be at least three months of living expenses in a high-yield savings account. I can give you the link if you want to link the one that I, I recommend, but you need an emergency fund first. We don't want you going into more debt trying to pay for an emergency. And we also, it, it just gives you that, that like mental stability, like knowing when you go to bed at night, if something were to happen, okay, I've got some money in the bank. So an emergency fund's your number one priority. And is that different than savings? I mean, it is. Savings is a general term that doesn't have a goal attached to it. That is one really important thing you want to do with your money. Instead of just like being like, okay, I'll just save money. Decide what you're saving money for. Because psychologically, your brain will get more on board if you have a specific goal you're saving for it, rather than just being like, I guess I'm putting money in a savings account. We'll see what happens, right? So if it's an emergency fund, if it's a down payment on a house, if it's, you know, to start your business, if it's to have a kid, right? Take a kick-ass vacation. That way your brain is like, okay, cool. I'm saving towards a specific thing. I know what we're doing now. We have a plan, right? Rather than just having a general savings account that's just there for no reason, right? So yeah, emergency fund, definitely number one. Number two, I need you to start investing. Like I said before, the number one reason women don't invest is fear, We are coming out this summer with a platform to help women start investing, give them the education and the tools they need to feel confident, but actually get them started. We have this like analysis paralysis we see with women of they know they should be investing, but it feels intimidating or they don't know how to take the first step. So there's that resource that's going to be available, but you just need to get started. If you have a 401k through your work, that is a way you can invest. That is one of the most advantageous ways to start investing is a 401k, especially if you get what's called an employer match. That means, for example, if there's a 3% match, that if you contribute 3% of your salary, your company will match you. They will double your money for no additional cost, right? Or no additional effort. It's the only place in the entire world that's guaranteed to double your money. So please start investing. It does. It's. I promise it's not as intimidating as everybody says it is. And it's really more important, the amount of time rather than the amount of money. We think, okay, we'll do it when I'm older. I'll do it when I have more money. Oh, investing is just for rich people. You get rich by investing. You build wealth by investing, right? So even if it's just $100, maybe $1,000 if you have it, get started investing because time is on your side. It allows your money to grow over a period of time. You lose potentially tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars by waiting to invest. So number one, emergency fund. Number two, please start investing. And the third thing, I don't need you to stop spending money. I just need you to stop spending money on shit that you don't care about. You don't have to deprive yourself. You don't have to say, you know, it's like you've talked about this all the time. Diets don't work, right? Because the more you tell me I can't have fried chicken, the more I want fried chicken. She says drinking out of a massive Popeye's container. Um, Love it. Popeye's is my favorite. But you don't, it's the same thing with money, right? If you tell yourself, okay, I'm never going to spend money. I'm never going to go out. I'm never going to take a vacation. You'll buy like an unnecessary pair of Louis Vuittons. Oh, completely. Or, you know, you'll, you'll see those Instagram swipe up ads and be like, okay, I don't really need this and don't really want this, but I feel like shit today. And this will solve all of my problems. Spoiler alert, narrator voice. It didn't solve our problems. Right. And I think that again, I don't need you to stop spending money. There is a balance. Money is meant to be spent. It's meant to be spent on things that you love and bring you joy, but that's also your hard-earned money. And if you are going to spend your money, I want it to be on things that you love. So yeah, I don't need you to never spend money. I just need you to stop spending money on shit that you don't care about. Gosh, I'm feeling targeted as I think of this. Oh gosh, this Gucci sweatshirt. This was like a year ago and it was during the pandemic. So really dark times. Okay. And I was on the couch at night and I, I, I swear to God, every time I look at this sweatshirt in my my closet. I just, I hate myself because it was so unnecessary. Donate it if you want to get rid of it. No, I went through the same thing. I literally saw this Instagram ad for these, um, you seen these like micro needling strips that you put in between your eyebrows to like prevent wrinkles. My dad has the 11 wrinkles, which are the ones right in between your eyebrows. And if I scrunch, like they're coming in for me. 
So I'm like, okay, I don't want these wrinkles. So I bought these like microneedling patches. I don't know if they did shit. I have no idea. But I literally remember thinking to myself, this will make me feel productive in quarantine, even if I don't do anything else with my day, because they're just going to be on my face all day. And they're like working even when I'm not. And like, again, we do this, we do this all the time. <laughs> they're working when I'm not. That's like the best branding from this beauty enhancing I don't tool. think they actually said that. They can take that for their marketing if they want. But That's like, hilarious. And, and, and no shame. You can do whatever you want. I'm a fan of right. Botox, plastic surgery. If it makes someone happy, great. And if they're honest about it, great. Um, however, I saw this meme the other day that was like, men don't age better than women. Men are just allowed to age. Oh, I mean, especially like famous women over 40. Like you're basically dead over 40. Like it's so sad. You have no career over 40. And yeah, I was actually, I had this conversation with, uh, with a couple of friends. It's like the, these people, you and I can talk about this all day too, because I know this is your huge thing, but like it is so ridiculous to compare myself to a celebrity whose job it is to be professionally hot. Like their <laughs> job is to be professionally attractive. So they're going to spend money. They have gyms and personal trainers and private chefs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like Botox and facial surgery that we don't even know about because it's subtle, but it's like, yeah. And, and then when you're over 40, in order to continue having a career as a woman, you're almost forced to do those things because if you want to be professionally hot, right, really professionally hot and young, that's, that's your only option. It's like, okay, get Botox, get liposuction, get whatever you need to do in order to keep looking professionally hot. A hundred percent. And it's like comparing to anyone. I mean, we think that if we could look a certain way or get something in life, all of our problems will go away. But I feel like if everyone reflects on something in their life, they really, really wanted. And then you think about what happened on the other side of that you still had problems. And so this idea that we're going to get something and look a certain way and have no problems. I mean, just a myth society sells us to keep us buying stuff. I want to ask you as someone who is self-employed, I'm running my own business similar to you. Obviously there's that fear of like, I'm making money one way now. I mean, and then how, how is it going to evolve? And even from pre-pandemic, most of my income was from speaking. I was right. traveling around the country speaking. I d- never did a brand deal on social media. Yeah. I didn't have a TikTok account. Then the world closes down. I'm like, I have to pivot. I'm only on social. I'm not speaking. That money's on hold. So right. I started posting more. I grew my TikTok. I started doing brand deals. And I found a whole other world for for this career path, but that's just like now. I think about next year. I'm like, what if I don't get the same deals next year? What if something happens? How You'll do you do the exact same thing? You'll pivot, or you know, being scrappy, and also any type of person can do this, regardless of whether you're self-employed or not. Um, any type, you know, of employment, get multiple sources of income. You know, whether that's your nine to five plus your investment earnings, uh, maybe a side hustle, maybe yeah, maybe you cater once a month, right? And when we're self-employed, if you look at my business, I have like 10 sources of income, like 10 sources yeah. of revenue. And it, and I probably it helps, have like five or six. Which is great. No, as if you have more than one, that means that if your primary income source goes away or gets cut, you are not going to be, you know, you're not going to be starving, right? You're going to figure it out. You have some money coming in. And that's also the importance of an emergency fund, right? So Yeah. One of the best things you can do as a business owner is diversify your income, set up systems that allow you to make money without you actively having to be there, right? Without you actively having to do the work. I was just talking to a client about this this morning. And then the second thing is have an emergency fund, especially when you are doing well, when your business is making a lot of money, keep some of that money in reserves in case you do have a month that comes up that isn't great or even a couple months. So there's, there's ways that you can be strategic around that. And yeah, you, you did the perfect thing, which is you're like, okay, my primary source of income is gone. How do we pivot? We start making videos. We start growing our audience this way. And then we make money in these other ways. Right. It's wild. Thanks. That's really helpful advice. So do you think that everyone should have a side hustle? Like my friends who are brokers in real estate. I mean, it's the classic like lure of capitalism, right? Is that you have to be working constantly. If you want a side hustle, great. If you don't, that's okay. Plenty of people, like I am a single, unmarried, no children individual. I could side hustle, right? Her first 100K was my side hustle. That is what I wanted to do. The time I would have spent raising kids, right, went into building a business and continues to go into building a business. 
that's not a life that everybody can have. And I'm very upfront about that. If you can side hustle, great way to grow your, grow your income, great way to pay off debt, great way to you know, either explore passion or to start your own thing. But you don't have to have a side hustle. Again, one of the, the best things, the best ways to increase your, your income is to start investing. You will make money while you sleep, right? The stock market will be working for you, you know, when you go to bed at night and when you wake up in the morning. So that's a great thing that literally any individual can do. And that's, again, how we're, how we're building long-term wealth is you're setting aside money in the stock market every month to grow. So I don't think you need a side hustle. It definitely helps. But I, I'm the last person who's going to, to promote hustle culture and potentially have you burn out, you know? Right. And I love that you have appreciation for well-being and mental health in line with um, in line with all this stuff, because it's such an important piece of the puzzle. Right. It's like you need to take a break. You need you can't you shouldn't work seven days a week. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, the best of the best, like Beyonce didn't sleep for three days. I'm like, what? It's hustle porn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good term for it. Beyonce also, and bless her, she works super hard. She's amazing. Bow down. But like, again, we were talking private chef, personal trainer, driver, three assistants, someone to take care of her children for her, right? So like the whole, you have 24 hours, the same 24 hours in the day as Beyonce. Like, no, you don't. You don't though. You don't have. That's so true. Me, when I like hear she didn't sleep for three days, I'm like, I have to do that. And it's just, you know, not the same. You don't. So I'm sure many people listening to this, like me, are about to go if they haven't already. Like stalk all of your pages, look at your website. There's obviously a lot out there. Where do you recommend they go? If like they want your top 10 tips, they want to learn from you, like website, Instagram, tell us where. Yeah, so Instagram and TikTok are my two primary platforms, but I actually have, I made it really easy for firsthundredk.com slash start. That has like five or six to-dos. It has my most popular course, which is less than $100 and is like personal finance 101. And then we also have our free money personality quiz that you can take to get personalized resources. So if you're trying to pay off debt, we'll send you a bunch of personal resources for that. You're trying to start investing, again, more resources. So herfirstnrk.com slash start is a great place to go. Love it. Thanks for that. And then the last thing I want to ask you quickly, because I forgot is how do you keep track of your like day-to-day, weekly, monthly spending? Do you have a spreadsheet? Do you Mm. use a Truebill or a Mint? I have beef with a lot of budgeting apps out there because I think they overcategorize and I won't go see movies for six months and then I'll go see three movies in the seventh month and it'll yell at me and it tell me, you know, it tells me I went over budget and I'm like, let me live my goddamn life, please. So I, <laughs> there's not a lot of budgeting apps out there that I actually use. I actually, in that personal finance 101 course, teach the bu- budgeting method I use personally and that I use with clients. It's called the three bucket budget. I won't give it away, but it basically hinges on automating your savings. And if you take anything away from this conversation, in terms of actionable advice, automate your savings. Simply that means setting up an automatic transfer from your checking account to your savings account. It happens without you even thinking about it. It happens on autopilot. And that means that you're doing the hard thing first. If you are paying yourself first, which is what we call it in the personal finance community, if you are treating your savings as a bill, you're, you're you know, setting aside money and savings before you even pay your rent or before you buy your groceries, right? So That way it's happening before you spend all of your money. So you don't get to the end of the month and be like, oh, I have no money to save. So automating your savings is is one of the reasons I've been able to to save a lot of money just because it happens and I don't even have to think about it. Oh my gosh. I'm literally about to dive into all of these resources. It feels badass too. It feels empowering. (laughs) Empowering. I feel my power. I feel my power when I lay my head on the pillow at night and I'm like, fuck yeah, I know where all my dollars are. <laughs> well, and I wanted to bring this up with you because we, you know, we both, you and I both, and especially you have talked about, you know, confidence and feeling, feeling confident and feeling, I almost said empowered. Look at that. See, but feeling, feeling confident as a woman. Powerful. We could just say powerful. Sure. That's great. Yeah. Feeling confident and powerful as a woman. I cannot tell you how powerful and confident I feel now that I'm financially independent. If I could point to literally anything and be like, that has helped my confidence more than anything else, it is that. I don't have to put up with bullshit. I don't have to. If, a, if like a brand reaches out and they're like, we can pay you $2, I'm like, no, no, I don't have to take your money. I don't have to worry about it. Or if somebody tries to undercut me or you know, tries to overwork me or somebody on my team, uh, we have money elsewhere. We don't have to work with them. 
I, yeah, I don't worry about going out on dates with men and have, making sure that they pay. If I don't ever want to see this person again, I can pay for my meal and just be like, wish you the best and peace out, right? I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to marry in order for this person to provide for me. You know, I can buy my best friend dinner without thinking about it. I can travel where I want. I can work from where I want. Like if I could point to anything and be like, oh my God, that is it. For me, that was, that was getting my financial shit together. It was growing my financial foundation. It was getting to a point where, yeah, I was comfortable with money and, and I feel really, really great about it. Like all of my options opened up to me. And that's, that's the feeling I want for every single woman on this planet is I don't want to have to have her put up with bullshit. I don't want her to be in toxic situations she doesn't want to be in anymore. I want her to be able to spend money on things that she loves and also save a bunch of money. Like that's the feeling I want for every single woman where they're like, I don't have to, I don't have to put up with this. I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to be here unless I absolutely want to be here. Oh, my queen. You are so (laughs) iconic. Thank you for sharing everything today. I am so grateful. This was so freaking awesome. And yeah, incredibly grateful. I know you're busy. I know your time is valuable. Thank you for coming to spend it with us. Super appreciative. I'm a huge fan of your work. Massive fan of who you are and what you're doing. And it's literally gonna make me cry. We need more. We need more women like you. I am at the heaviest I've ever been. Pandemic, I gained quite a bit of weight. And I love my body very much. I love myself. And weirdly, this is this is kind of fucked with me. Like seeing the number on the scale. And every time I come across your posts, it's it's a great permission slip to allow me to be like, you know what? That is the least interesting thing about me. I have all of these other amazing things going on in my life. And it doesn't mean I'm unhealthy. It doesn't mean that I am not, you know, I am not uh, uh yeah, a good person or taking care of myself. And so, uh, I wish I could come hug you. I feel like we need to keep talking for so many hours and girl, throw out that scale. That's my number one tip for you. Those are, those are numbers you don't need to know. (laughs) That's what I keep reminding myself too, is it's like, there's no shame in gaining weight. Of course your weight has changed because your entire lifestyle has changed. So, right. Tori, thanks again. I love you so much. And I really am happy that I got to speak with you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.